If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to finish this chapter. Last week we read about uh, Samuel going uh, to find the new king, and that king being David, the young king. one that uh, no one would have picked out in the crowd to be a king, but God said, that's the one I want, because that's I'm looking on his heart. Uh, but we're now looking at uh, how David and Saul are finally going to meet. Um, now at this time, uh, Saul doesn't really know David and doesn't really know what God's doing in David's life, but this is the encounter that God is going to bring them together Um, But as we study this scripture, what we're going to see, and hopefully what we're going to do at the end of this, is understand the lost. Why the lost do what they do. Why the lost do certain things to help with what's going on in their life. And what they really need. And we all know what it's like to be lost or lose something. You know, not just necessarily talking about lost in in the... biblical sense, but we know what it's like maybe to be lost in the woods. Maybe you've lost something. I've always been terrible about losing my keys, and the first thing uh, my wife did was put us a key ring, key holder on the uh, wall so that I wouldn't lose my keys, and the first time I used it, I asked her, where's my key? She said, it's on the key hook. Didn't know that, right? Like, that just blew my mind. I'm used to just putting them places, but now I can't go anywhere without putting it on there because then I don't know where they are, right? But you may be that way. You've lost your keys, you lost your phone, you've lost your glasses, something, right? They're lost, why? Because they're not found. Now, I know you didn't pay for that profound statement today, right? The reason they're lost is because they are not found. They're not in your possession. But when we think about the lost, when we're talking about Scripture, we understand that the Scripture uses the term lost to describe non-believers, And we do that because of two specific parables, parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, right? Y'all know those two. And those parables tell us about how something is lost and how an owner will go to great lengths to find it, right? The shepherd will leave the 99 to go find the one. The owner of the lost coin is going to go find that one coin. And what happened in both those cases, there was great celebrations, great joy. And you add those two parables with the parable of the prodigal son, it shows us that God is the one who is seeking the lost. God is willing to go after the one who is lost and find them. If you are without God, if you are not in a saving relationship with God, then you are lost. That's the definition. Being lost, though, has more implications than just not being with God. Right? There's more implications to it. There's more to this. Being lost brings about things that should not be in your life. Being lost brings about actions you never meant to take. Being lost leads you to seek help in maybe the wrong places. We need to understand what is truly going on with the lost around us. You may be a, hopefully you are a Christian, But you still have lost people around you. You work with lost people. You have lost people in your families. You are surrounded by lost people as you go to Walmart. Right? These things, there are lost people, and the statistics say that there are less Christians than there are lost people. Right? 
The road to heaven is narrow. Why? Because there's less people going to heaven than there is to hell. So there are constantly lost people around us, and I believe today Scripture is going to help us to understand them, to understand where they are, in hopes that we will be able to use that to better approach the lost around us. I believe we can look at the life of King Saul and the current state of his being and see what happens to lost people and how they respond to certain situations. So let's go ahead and read 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse 14. Verse 14 says this, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre, and when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well, and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey, laid him with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat, and sent them by David, to his, son, uh, David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly, because he, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father God, we give you all the praise and all the glory for your word. God, we thank you for showing us David, showing us Saul, and God showing us their lives. And so, God, help us as we look to this encounter and we look to this moment with Saul and this harmful spirit and how David was used to help the spirit flee from Saul. God, I just pray that uh, we would see what it means to be lost. Maybe as Christians, sometimes we forget. Or maybe we were so young when we were saved, we don't even realize the positions that lost people put themselves in. So, God, help us to understand God, not just to understand for knowledge, God, but for wisdom to go out into this world and make disciples and reach the lost that you've called us to do by proclaiming the gospel. God, we love you. We give you all the praise and the glory. I pray that your words are spoken today and that God, our ears and our hearts are open to hear it. It's in your son's holy name that I pray. Amen. So as we look at the scripture today and we think about the lost, the first thing we need to see is that the lost those who are not believers in Jesus, those who don't have the Holy Spirit within them, they are tormented by a harmful spirit. The lost are tormented by a harmful spirit. Look at verse 14 and 15 with me again. 14 and 15 says this, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Now, if you add verse 13 to this, if you look in your Bibles, you'll see that David, in David's life, the Spirit rushed upon David. After David's anointing, the Spirit rushed him while at the same time leaving Saul in verse 14. So this is not a coincidence. 
This is happening as it should. The spirit is leaving Saul and is going now to David, who is the new anointed, uh, soon-to-be king. And now that the Holy Spirit is gone from Saul's life as king, he is now he now has room for a harmful spirit to come. And this harmful spirit says that it tormented Saul. It literally overwhelmed and terrified him. If you get back into the Hebrew language, that's literally what it means to be overwhelmed and terrified. The Spirit was not here to comfort Saul at all. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. The Holy Spirit has come to comfort those who are believers. But without the Holy Spirit, you are not comforted. So any spirit that comes within a lost person is there not to comfort, but to torment. And the Spirit is not making Saul's life easier. It has come to disrupt his life. And, and now we have to see that this harmful spirit, though, is acting under the authority of God. That's one thing we have to be mindful of. Is this spirit is not just some evil demon that's floating around doing its business. No, it's under the authority of God. In fact, verse 14 tells us that this harmful spirit is from the Lord. Right? This comes from God. And if you've read Revelation and if you've been in the study that we've been doing in Revelation, you would know this to be true, right? Like nothing that happens, even through the demons and the devil himself, nothing happens outside of the authority of God. Everything is under his control. And the same goes for this spirit as well. Everything that happens has a purpose. And there is a reason that God allows this harmful spirit to torment not only Saul, but the lost people today. This spirit is an act of judgment against someone who has or is rebelling against God. This is an act of judgment on Saul. But also, this spirit, though harmful and tormenting, can allow the lost person to come back to God. It can allow a lost person today to see that they need God, that they need to be saved. Through the torment, people will decide whether to endure the torment or continue their own path or exactly fall on their knees and realize they need God. This is what that harmful spirit allows. Every lost person we know is tormented in some way by this spirit. Everyone, every lost person is tormented by this spirit. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, then this other spirit is going to do its best to fill that empty hole. And this harmful spirit seeks to make each person, uh, it torments to feel lonely and empty and without purpose and meaning. This torment, this lostness, this emptiness causes them to turn to many things in order to help numb that pain. And this is exactly what Saul's going to do. So the lost will seek to numb the torment. Look at verse 16 and 17. Verse 16 and 17 says, Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. So one of Saul's servants recognized that he was tormented by this spirit and he suggested, Hey, why don't we find a skillful Liar player, right? Musician, right? A liar is just basically a guitar. We're just going to call it that, right? Someone that is skillful at playing this instrument. And the reason that the servant prescribes music as a solution is because many ancient societies believed that music had this divine power. 
to overcome demons and evil spirits. And in fact, the lyre was probably one of the most divine instruments that could drive out demonic influences and demons. But understand, Saul is not demon-possessed. We're not saying he's demon-possessed. He's tormented by a spirit. The spirit is not controlling Saul's actions. It's just making his life miserable, being lost. But these ancient societies believed that, that, that this liar had these divine powers to overcome that evil spirit. And so we know in our own lives that music has power. We love music and we find power in music. But that power really comes from God and worshiping Him beyond all things. It's the way God designed music to be. But understand in this particular situation, music, having a musician to come in to play that music is nothing more than a temporary solution to an eternal problem. It's a temporary solution to an eternal problem. It, we need to understand that Saul is not the only one who does this. Today, the lost seek to numb their pain, the pain of their lostness. They seek to numb the torment that is passed on to them by the harmful spirits and they try to numb it through things like acceptance and validation. This is why social media is so popular. Some people don't understand social media. I understand it completely. It's full of a lot of people that just need to be accepted and validated for their decisions in life. And that's where a lot of lost people find it. But sadly, those validations are empty. That Pushing that like button, that thumbs up button, or on Instagram, the heart button, or whatever. It's just empty validation. There are those who will seek it in things like movements, like the LGBT movement. If I feel empty with the way I'm made, then I'll just move over here and try this movement and feel more accepted. I'll just change a few things about me and I'll feel more accepted by this group over here. But the problem is they don't actually feel accepted and they still don't, even when given a whole month to celebrate their decisions. They still not enough, right? Why? Because it's just a temporary solution. People will seek it in drugs and alcohol. It's never enough, is it? You get high only to be brought down. You get drunk only to be followed by a hangover or soberness, and you still have to deal with the problem. It's not enough. And so you have to do more and more until your body says stop or quits on you. And we have rehab facilities and prisons full of people who could not get enough. But instead harmed families and friends just to get more. Sometimes even us as Christians can find ourselves trying to numb problems. We try to do what the world does, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. We hide behind things instead of admitting our sins that we struggle with. We try to numb the pains instead of solving the problems. Listen, I can break my leg, and a doctor can give me the strongest pain medicine to overcome the pain, but it will not heal my broken leg. Pain medicine does not heal broken legs. It needs proper care. And for all of us, including the lost, the only true solution to the problem in our lives is Jesus. Only Jesus can save the lost. Look at verse 18 through 23 with me. Verse 18 through 23. Saul's already said, hey, bring me the best. Bring me the best 
uh, liar player, the instrumentalist, bring the best to me. And in verse 18 says, one of the young men answered, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite who is skillful in playing a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence. The Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me David your son who is with the sheep. And Jesse took the donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well. The harmful spirit departed from him. So the question for Saul and his servants was, who is going to be the musician to free Saul of his torment? And David was mentioned, I know this son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. He's very good. And we know David's a skilled songwriter. We've got a bunch of them in the book of Psalms, right? He's a very good songwriter. He's a very good musician. We know David can do the job that they're seeking, right? We see that David, in verse 18, was a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And on top of that, the Lord was with him. David would be the perfect candidate for this situation. If anyone's going to drive the harmful spirit away, it would be David. He's got all the qualities. Surely he'd be the one to drive the spirit away. And as we read in verse 23, yes, the spirit was driven away from Saul, but this is not a one-time deal. The word we might overlook right there is whenever. Verse 23, the first thing he says what? Whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul. This wasn't a one-time torment from the spirit. This was a constant, continuous torment that when Saul felt tormented, David would come in, play the lyre, the spirit would leave, only for it to eventually come back and have to repeat the process. In fact, we see this happen in other chapters as well. 1 Samuel 18.10. The next day, what does it say? A harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul. And he raged within his house while David was playing the lyre as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand. Go a chapter over and in chapter 19, it says what? Then a harmful spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing the lyre. Over and over and over, this tormenting spirit would come upon Saul. David would play the lyre. And the next thing you know, the spirit would leave and then return eventually again. This was a constant struggle for Saul. David, while he could drive the spirit away, he could not keep the spirit from coming back. Again, it's a temporary solution to an eternal problem. The lost have an eternal problem. The harmful spirit only exposes the truth of that reality. And the eternal problem is that the lost are bound for hell. Right? Revelation 20.15. It says, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The lost are bound for hell. And that is a problem. That is an eternal problem that the lost will numb with temporary solutions, only to never work. The lost will not find their name written in the book of life. Why? Because they do not have faith in Jesus. They have not been found. 
And because of this, they are bound for hell, the lake of fire, the place of anguish and eternal death, the Scripture says. It's a real problem that needs a real solution. And while we are called to go preach the gospel to the lost, we cannot save the lost from hell. We cannot physically take them off of that path. Only Jesus can take them off the path to hell. Only Jesus can save the lost. Only David, oh sorry, David could not save Saul from the harmful spirit. Only God could save Saul at this moment. And the reason any of us are saved is because of Jesus Christ. We are all sinners. And at one point, all of us were bound for hell because of that sin. And the Bible tells us that we all fell short of God's glory because we are sinners. And that sin required a payment of death. And we were going to die because we are sinners. That was the penalty. To be saved from this penalty, we needed someone to take our place. But who is going to do that? Who's going to die for me? Who's going to take my place? Jesus said, I'll do it. Jesus, was, he finished the job by willingly giving up his own spirit. Giving up his own place on high to calm down and be born. To live a human life. And to give up his body on a cross. To give up his spirit. Listen, the cross did not kill Jesus. Jesus gave up His Spirit. If you read the Gospels, you'll see it. The cross didn't kill Jesus. He was going to hang there as long as He needed to. But when He cried out, it is finished, the Bible says that He gave up His Spirit. He gave it up for you, for me, for all of us, for the lost. He was then buried in a tomb, and a few days later, Jesus rose from the dead, and that... After that resurrection, it says that in, in, in the book of Acts that he ascended into heaven. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father waiting for the day that the Father says, Go get my children. He's waiting. And because of all of this that I just described to you, we can be saved. All of this is why we can be saved today. Not of anything we can do on our own, but Christ has given us that salvation. And it's because of that, that that we are saved from our losses and we are found. We are given new life. We are freed from the torment of the harmful spirit and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we take that Holy Spirit, church, we take that Holy Spirit that lives within each and every one of us and we go out into this world, we leave here in a moment and we go out And we share that good news with the lost and dying world. That is what you've been commanded to do. And it's not because of you. It's not because you looked the part. It's not because you act the part. It's not because you grew up in this family or that family. It's not because you have this money or that money or you're skilled at this or you're skilled at that. No, you are called to go preach the gospel because you have been saved by Jesus Christ. And only Jesus can save us. That's something to praise God for today. Because listen, if it was up to us, we would have done messed this up way too many times, y'all. I've had good days, but I've had a lot of bad days. I've had a lot of days I've slipped. I had a lot of days, every day is proven that I don't deserve heaven. Every day is proof that I don't deserve to go to heaven. 
But we got Christians that walk around saying, I'm going to heaven. And they brag on themselves. No, the only reason I'm going to heaven is because of Jesus. It's the only reason any of us are going is because of Jesus. When you stand before God one day, you're not going to say, it's because I went to Sunday school, I did this, I went on this mission trip, I did this. No, you're going to be able to say, it's Jesus. Jesus is why I'm saved. Jesus is the only one who can save the lost people in your life. Jesus is the only one who can save those around you that you're burdened for right now. But what about us in here today? Maybe you're in here today and you say, Pastor, I I don't know if I believe in Jesus. Or I don't believe I've ever believed. Maybe today you realize you are lost. Maybe today you've realized, you know what, Pastor? I feel that torment. I've been fighting it for so long. I've been fighting that spirit that's been tormenting me every day. I've been chasing things of of temporary solutions that's never really worked. If you're lost, today you can be saved. Today you can be saved. And it's not because of anything that you've done in your life. It has everything to do with Jesus. That's why I have confidence to say you can be saved today. You can be given new life. The Bible says that we believe in Jesus and what he did for us, that he's resurrected from the dead, and we put him Lord over our lives. The Bible says this, that you will be saved. Go read Romans 10, 9 and 10, and you'll see it. You will be saved. You can be freed from your sin and be given new life. Maybe today you're a Christian already, and you say, Pastor, I know I'm a Christian I know that I am. I have evidence of it. I know the Spirit lives within me, but I've allowed some sin to creep back into my life lately. I found myself trying to numb these problems with worldly pains. I've been chasing all these other things, Pastor. If you're able, I'm going to ask you if, you, if, if the Lord leads you to come to this altar and, and seek for uh, repentance and forgiveness. Maybe that's what we need to do this morning. Maybe you do it right where you are in your pew if you need to. We have to be a body of believers who recognize that Jesus is the only one who can save us. A lot of problems with churches today are because they don't remember that Jesus was the one who saved them. We got a lot of people in churches today that think it was all because of them why they're going to heaven. Jesus is the only one that can save us, church. And he's the only one that can help us go out into this world and make the disciples. He's called you to it. He's going to walk you through it. What will be your response today? Let's pray. Father God, we give you the praise and the glory for your son Jesus. God, we thank you that you sent your son and he was willing uh, to come humbly to this earth. God, he was willing to come and give up his own life for us, God, that we did not deserve. God, we don't deserve that kind of love. We don't deserve that kind of sacrifice. We deserve hell because we have rebelled against our creator, God, and that is you. But praise be to you, God, that you have given us new life through your son. As God, help us to walk humbly with you. God, to to walk in this world with humility, knowing that we were saved by Jesus and we can go out there and others can be saved because of Jesus as well.
God, help us to have the confidence to go out and to proclaim the gospel as you've called us to do. But God, I pray right now, if there's anyone in here who is lost, anyone in here, God, that's struggling, who's being tormented by this harmful spirit, God, I pray that they would see that. And that, God, if it be your will, that they would walk forward. And, God, that they would admit they need salvation. God, you are going to provide salvation if only we will come and seek it. God, you promised us that. You promised that if we believe in your Son and his resurrected, resurrection, God, and we, we, and we confess him as Lord, God, your word says we will be saved. God, that's a promise. It's not a maybe, it's a promise, God. So we thank you for that promise. God, move us where we need to be moved. Help us, God, to do what you've called us to do. And it's in your son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen.